This is Football Social Daily, the Premier League podcast. We've had an apoplectic Arteta and a blessed Brazilian called Bruno. A mystified Maguire, a wound-up Wolves manager. It's just another weekend in the Premier League, isn't it? And it's not over yet, as tonight the clash in the capital is soaring Spurs against chuntering Chelsea. This is Football Social Daily, the award-winning Premier League podcast. And on today's show, we'll dive into Arsenal's outrage against Newcastle, look ahead to tonight's tasty top-flight tussle, and of course, there'll be more roasting of referees. My name's Niall, welcome to the show. And alongside me in the studio, Joel Tudor and Marley Anderson. How's the weekend, boys? Not not bad weekend, all things considered. Didn't play football on Sunday, though. Fuming, got called off. Waterline. Yeah, muddy pitch. It was a mud bath. I mean, we don't predict many things right over the weekend, but I'm pretty sure we did say that your game would be called off at the weekend with the weather, did we not? Yeah. Um, ah, but on more important things, we have a curse going on in this room about our own team. <laughs> Niall, take it away. This is a Premier League podcast, Joel. There's absolutely no need for me. <laughs> Only to... now you don't want to talk about Pompey. Not for the last 200 episodes. <laughs> yeah, we lost at the weekend. Because you attended. Yes, I was there. We realised every time we either attend or I did or say that would happen. Day. Well, in fact, what I was worried about is taking a Monday off on the podcast. So you simply cannot take a day off for the rest Can't of the take season? I am planning on going away during the international break, just to let everyone know. Is that on a Monday? I'll be off on the Monday. We'll <laughs> see. We'll see. We've got Charlton I will Athletic be there. at the will weekend, there, so we'll see. I will. <laughs> I'll be there. It'll be the end of Pompey's, what is it, 15 game this season unbeaten run I in the league? It. It'll be, well, yeah, the league 18, run continues. Games. The league run continues. We're out of both cups, which is absolutely fine to me. We're top so of the league Concentrate still, on the so, league. Yeah, concentrate. Where's that cliche, Bill? <laughs> grab it, grab it. Concentrate on that league, absolutely. There it is. I'll tell you what, we're going to talk about Arsenal in a minute. Um, before we do talk about Arsenal, I thought it was quite funny that Marley, you have almost inadvertently rubbed salt into the wounds of all Gunners fans today by absolutely draining a bottle of prime energy on your way into the studio today. So <laughs> you're absolutely... You take a breath when you drank it. Full of sugar right now. Yeah, because so. I had shortbread and shortbread makes your mouth dry, doesn't it? It's quite dry shortbread, so I thought I need, need some moisture before I go in. Um, Honestly, you're I've keeping out the government tears. afloat with the sugar tax this last two hours. Very true. <laughs> I am high as a kite right now on sugar, yeah, but... Um, yeah, I've, I've drank all uh, Arteta's tears, so uh, I had them bottles. <laughs> There's a lot of them. Could feel the rhythm now with them. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's going to take too many guesses for you listening in to figure out what Marley and Joel have gone for for their Get In The Sea. And if you've never joined us on Football Social Daily, welcome to the podcast. We are an award-winning Premier League show where we talk about all the big news and Premier League talking points. Particularly on a Monday, we like to do a feature called Get In The Sea, which is our chance to get some of the frustrations in the weekend off of our chests by saying get in the sea and no doubt Mikel Arteta's outburst after his side's 1-0 defeat to Newcastle at St James's Park is top of the agenda because I think Marley's throwing it in the sea you're throwing it in the sea as well Joel so come on Marley Mikel Arteta needs to get in the sea tell us why he does he's he's just a whinging horrible little man isn't he he's I never I never got this um sort of impression of him as a player he didn't seem you know some players like you think of like Bruno Fernandes he moans at everything he gets on your nerves because he moans at the referees and stuff you never really got that from Arteta but in the last couple of years it's you know it's just like everything's against him and you know it's every manager loses every manager's a bad loser that's that's football everyone in football is a bad loser no one wants to wants to lose like that but you know his his 
comments after the game were just embarrassing, really. It made him look like a really sore loser. Whether you think he's got a point or not um, is kind of irrelevant because he still sort of went off on this tangent, having to go at referees not three weeks after saying, even though we had VAR in the game, we're still going to make mistakes and we need to get used to that. Three weeks later, he's... You know, he's demanding God knows what for... I don't know what he wanted. This is my point. Like, what does he want to happen? You can't... We've got no time travel. We can't go backwards in time and uh, and fix this travesty that he thinks he's he's been dealt. It's bizarre. Yeah, well, let's get, get into it, it first. Let's get into it first. The reason why Mikel Arteta is fuming. Newcastle beat Arsenal 1-0 at St. James's Park at the weekend. The goal that Newcastle scored was through Anthony Gordon. And the ball looked, from my perspective, as a neutral, as I was watching on Saturday afternoon, as if it had gone over the line and out of play. So there's one contentious decision that the referees had to make, Joel. The second was a potential foul from Joel Linton on the back of the defender as he headed it back across when the ball was eventually crossed into the box. And then the other was the goalkeeper being in front of Anthony Gordon. And then you've got this mess with the offside rule. And I don't want to get into that can of worms now. But basically, there were three separate issues, if you will, that VAR had to take a look at. And they decided that all three of them, there wasn't enough evidence to rule out Newcastle's goal and Newcastle going to win 1-0. Arteta's angry about that. Absolute victim. Seriously, he acts like he's the only manager who's gone through a bad VAR decision all season. If Man United were to do that, we'd we'd have about 10 different statements out. And that's not because of all the off-field stuff that we put statements out over as well. Um, I mean, if you go through every single one of those decisions, at first glance, when I first saw the ball apparently go out of play, I thought it was out of play at first glance. But the referee clearly didn't, so he allowed the game to go on. They couldn't check because there was no technology to see because obviously there's only goal line technology for the actual goal itself. I thought it went out. They didn't think it went out. The foul, again, very subjective. All three of us in here could have different opinions about that. I thought Gabriel went down way too easily. Even though you could see he has his hands on his back, I didn't feel like he gave him the push needed to go down. It almost looked like Gabriel kind of went down and then tried to loop a header up. It was a bit of a weird action. And then, like you said, the offside was very dubious. But it was the fact that Arteta came out like it was the Liverpool decision where there was some kind of fault. There wasn't a fault at all. It was the fact that they looked at the decision. It's an opinion, and isn't it? Like, like that, that they're, they're employed to do. Yeah. Give an opinion on the game, a qualified opinion, and all three actions, one, the goal line one, they couldn't say anything, so they have to give it because on the field they gave it. Well, that for me was the clearest one of the three. I thought the yes ball looked like it. it was over the line and it should have been a goal kick or a corner or whatever the decision was supposed glance. to be. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But I thought of the three... So the push in the back and then the offside, I thought that was the one to me, if I was an Arsenal fan, that I'd be the most annoyed about. It looked as if it had gone over the line. Now, obviously, the angles are difficult. Can't really tell unless you have a bird's eye view from above whether the ball is wholly over the line or not. But in terms of a distance between the ball and the line, there was clearly grass in between. But again, as I say, it's impossible to tell for certain whether the ball was over the line or not over the line. But if I was an Arsenal fan, that would be the one that annoyed me the most. I think the weird thing with Arteta's comments, he never actually pinpointed which one of those three decisions he thought just three, was... Just thought, it exactly. Up, toys out of the <laughs> he never actually pinpointed which one he thought was the reason the goal should have been disallowed. I don't like to use the term gaslighting when we're talking about football managers, but you know when managers go, well, what do you think? 
They turn it back on the reporter. Oh, they turn that. it back on the press. I hate that. That can get in the sea as well, by the yeah. way. Yeah, reporters are there to ask questions. You can't then ask them. You know, Guardiola does it a bit as well. And yeah. I think Klopp's done it. Loads Klopp, of managers. One of Klopp's best lines. Loads though. of managers have done it. But it is it is annoying that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, what do you what think? What do you think? Well, I'm not paid. You know, no one, no one wants to hear mm. off Jeff Shreves or whoever it may be. Everyone yeah. wants to hear off you because yeah. you're the one who's... You know, got no toys left in his pram because they're all chucked all over St James's Park. But that was what I didn't understand. He didn't go, well, first of all, the ball was out of play. It was over the line. Second yeah. of all, it was a foul from Joel Linton. Third of all, it's offside. He could have just said that and everyone would have been like, all right, fair enough. But the bit that wound me yeah, up was... Okay, he disagrees with all three. Yeah, okay. yeah. You just need to say He didn't much, say that. He was speaking yeah. with too much emotion. I think this will be Arteta's downfall, and Arsenal's downfall in general. It sounds like he's feeling the pressure at 11 games in. Mm-hmm. The way he was talking where he said... To paraphrase, you know how much of a fine line there is in this league? You know how competitive it is in this league? You're you're 11 games in. Every club in this league has had a bad decision for VAR. I understand the Newcastle game's difficult because Newcastle are a difficult team to, to play. I also think the Newcastle, to balance the level playing field, they should have had a red card. I think Bruno Gamara should have been off for that absolutely that was assault on um, Jorginho <laughs> when I first saw it I was thinking no way they've all looked at that in the VAR yeah. room and thought that is perfectly uh, accidental yeah. I'd love to know what reasoning they had for that because it was disc- it was a disgraceful challenge Yeah, and then suddenly he's got away with it so on that basis I can understand it I don't think Kai Havertz's was a red card but I think it's just one of those hard yellows where it's 100% a yellow orange borderline kind of hints of hues of red I don't know orange card um, but I don't think that was a, a yellow card I feel like just with the way the game's going everyone always thinks if you're going in with a heavy challenge it's automatically yeah. a red it's a yellow card a hard 100% yellow it was a difficult game to referee and I thought you know yeah. what with all the difficulties that they had he actually managed it to a decent degree do I have to say do you know what I think though I think the assistant referee didn't feel confident putting his flag up for that ball going over the line. Yeah, I'm not, the side, isn't I, it? Yeah, I'm yeah. not 100% sure. I'm probably not quite in line. There's a goal in my way. Yeah. VAR there's will no, bail there's me no out. There's no way you can see it. It's there's a blind yeah, spot. Absolutely. Yeah. Ridiculous when you think about it. Yeah. Why is there a bloody blind spot in a Stupid, game which has yeah. been streamed to 5 million people absolutely. or whatever it is? And I think yeah. one of the main reasons well, why Arteta... 5 million, 50 million. <laughs> and I think one of the main reasons why Arteta was so annoyed and it's almost just, let's say, bad fortune that this decision contained three moments prior to the build-up to the goal that were talking points. Mm. Like, let's say the ball was completely in play. Okay, let's rule that one out. Let's say Gabriel didn't push him. That's one out. Let's say it was purely on the base of an offside. I don't think he would have that much grievance. Is the fact that, unfortunately for him, there was three talking points that mm. led up to the goal. Yeah. You can't, like, that's the way football I've never went. seen that. Yeah, it, it's I just, don't think I've ever seen that before. It's purely coincidental. It could have been six or seven leading up and to it. And if they're all not right... If you don't give it. They just took their time it. with it, though, if didn't you, they? If they you watched, it, if you watched, did you watch it live yeah. on Sky? Did you see how it was like? It went from checking, checking ball in play to checking foul to checking offside. I it think sort like of, Arteta felt so like they were trying so to find funny. something. Yeah, I yeah, could yeah, hear ne- Neville, Neville was like, "Oh, I don't know what they're doing here." And it's yeah. like, well, if yeah. they if they're checking ball in play, they've clearly give it a tick, yeah. and then they're Next checking thing. the foul yeah. because you you would if it's ball out of play, the fouls are relevant. I could hear the St James's Park Stadium announcer going, "Checking ball out of play." Yeah, and then and then there was a bit of a and then he was like, "Checking offside." Oh, yeah, and then checking possible foul. Checking any possible way we can rule this out. And then and then all that downness and then the raw. Yeah, So Arteta's clearly thinking, okay, there's three things here, and they've not found one thing. So surely something's gone wrong, and nothing was conclusive. That's it. It's that and the Bruno Gimaraes 
non-red card. That. Which I, I mean, that. yeah, that's so a red card. He got, conclusive. He got nothing for that, and then the one he got booked for was pushing <laughs> pushing Fabio Vieira when when Bruno had the ball. It was probably the least. Uh, yeah, it's just card well, he, sh- he should have been sent off then, whether it was straight or two yellows. Should have been off. We're talking about well, someone who shouldn't have been on the pitch. I think that's another problem that Mikel Arteta has with the officiating. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's inconsistencies. Um, Did anyone even... ask him about the Havertz challenge? Because, for my opinion, I thought that was a yellow. I think, I think, I, bo- I think both Bruno and Havertz is a, a, a red cards, and I think the reason Bruno doesn't get a red card is because he didn't give Havertz a red card. I think he let, but you can't, you can't, you can't judge. One you can't. I know, I know, but like I think, that. I think he then thought we're letting the physical stuff go because he's let Havertz go. Come on, Marley. There's a physical tackle and there's a physical. I don't think the Havertz one is a red. The Havertz one, the Havertz one could have broke Longstaff's leg. The Bruno thing could have give Jorginho a little bruise on the back of his head. Like which one's more dangerous? No, but it's not about how bad's the impact of the injury. It's just, it's just, it's bad. It's, you can't do that off the ball to someone. And that's you literally can't. not... Because he did. Clearly, he clearly got away with it. There's no, no cameras I, on the middle of the I think Havertz is, is, is a red. Um, on what basis, though? Because I feel on like what that's basis? a very 50 Because it's premeditated. Because if you watch the if you watch the thing, right, the the little sequence of play is Havertz, the ball's bouncing, and Joe, um, Joe Linton bodies Havertz. He puts his head in first, and he bounces him. And Havertz, it happens at every level of the game when something... When somebody physically does you, 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 you're fuming just for a little second and then it gets rolled like a little bit of a hospital pass to, to Longstaff and Havertz, as soon as he loses that ball, he's looking and he sees the Longstaff take a little touch and he's flying in. I was watching it live and, I, and I, as he, you can tell by the shape Havertz was running like he sprinted five mm. yards to slide and he, he wanted to hurt him and obviously all the Newcastle, bloody three Newcastle players got booked. He wanted to get he want, the ball. He wanted obviously. to get the ball, but you can't, in the modern game, you can't go in like that. I've got no issue with with them challenges not being punished at all. But you, you do get them for intent yeah. and for recklessness. I mean, you do get red cards for that these days. And there was contact with both feet. Uh, people are saying he's trailing leg caught. I think it's a trailing. There's, a, there's an angle from behind where you can see um, Havertz's leading leg. I think it's mm. his right leg. Yeah. Touches Longstaff's left leg. He only grazes him. But you're talking, you yeah. know, if it's if it's slightly more, his ankle, but there's his also tibia an angle. and fibula is smashed. There's also an angle that looks like the ball's out of play. We don't know for certain that it is. So, I mean, we're talking what, about... the goal? Yeah, I mean, there's an angle that looks like it is, and then there's probably another angle that looks like it isn't. So, it's so hard to tell. So, I kind of... Yeah. I don't want to say I've got sympathy for referees, because I do think they've been getting too much wrong. And we've been talking about this for weeks now on Football Social Daily. But whether it's the Havertz one, or the Bruno Gumarish one, or the ball being out, or the offside, or the push in the back, the Mikel Arteta post-match press conference, where he loses the plot, is what we're throwing in the sea. But what do we make of the statement? Arsenal have released today a club statement basically backing their manager, which you'd understand. But in the fallout of what we saw with the Liverpool and Spurs thing, where Jurgen Klopp got no end of stick for asking for the match to be replayed, which we all thought on this podcast, and we all said here, was a silly comment to make. And even though it was slightly taken out of context, I do think he didn't need to say that at all. What do we make of this statement? This morning that we've seen, it's embarrassing. What are they? It's almost like they follow Liverpool's lead. But I remember when that Liverpool issue happened, and they asked Arteta in a press conference about it, and he said mistakes happen in football. He didn't want to come out and back uh, Jurgen Klopp and say, actually, yeah, you know what? This is absolutely disgrace. Not as animated as he was after that game, and in the actual statement itself, I genuinely don't know where it was going. It was like going into a maze. 
and not knowing where you're going because you don't know where you're going because it's got no goal to it whatsoever. When you read every single part of it, it's almost like a threat as if to say, okay, you know, fair enough. It needs to improve the officiating. But in that circumstance, what did they want to improve? Mm. Because it was all subjective. They've literally... I have. I actually, in this situation, we've been so hard on the refereeing and the VAR. On that situation, I have actual sympathy for them because I feel like they give every single chance and every bit of analysis for each part of that run up to the goal, and they've ruled out on every single premise of what the law is on that circumstance. Yeah. So I agree with what they've done. Arteta and Arsenal are acting with so much emotion, and I'll say again, this will be their downfall because they're feeling the pressure already. They're feeling like, because I know Arteta said after the game, we've lost three points. Were they winning at that point? Was it a, a, what, what, what was going on? Yeah, like you so say, I mean, this they, is a man not speaking in his first language, speaking with emotion after the game. And I think that's one of the issues we see. Not even just first language. He's been in England 20 bloody years. He speaks English. It's not like me going to flipping Spain and trying to order a croissant. What he he means is he means they lost the match using the term three points. I think that that's kind of like picking picking at someone who's emotional after the game. He's lost lost himself after 11 games. There's another, what, 27, sorry, there's another 17 games to go. He's got to maintain his composure with his Arsenal players. You got it right the first time, didn't you? Yeah, we've not. Twenty-seven. We've only played eleven games. <laughs> I'm scrapping ten off already. That's how much it's killed me you this season. Be speaking, <laughs> you shouldn't be speaking with emotion on the podcast, Joel. That was like countdown application right. going for you. Oh my god! Look at us. We don't even know the difference between three points, twenty-seven <laughs> games, whatever it is. When it comes to my club. Listen. Anyway, <laughs> that's it. We're going to throw that whole Arsenal Mikel Arteta statement post-match press conference in the seat. Go on then. About Arteta. Go on. He should be focusing on the fact that when that ball comes in in the goal, David Raya is flapping at it like a flatable arm tube, man. Forty million pound goalie, ball comes in, dead easy cross to take. Yeah, but Marley, and he just flaps yeah, at it, and yeah, it's but, like, Oof. yeah, but he's he's allowed to have two keepers in a season. You know? oh, he yeah, could have well, subbed him off. He, do you know what? I'd have subbed really him off. That. I'd have subbed him off for Ramsdale. <laughs> Ramsdale would have probably headed that away. Then nutcase. But also, <laughs> also, they never even created a chance in the whole game. They played poor. Absolutely that, agree with that. If it's ten against ten or whatever people think it should be, or ten against eleven, they still didn't create a chance. They were right. not in that game. They made it a battle and they got out-battled. You don't make it a battle at St. James's Park because the crowd is just another another huge thing for them. And Arsenal have always had, since Patrick Vieira left, mm. a soft core, soft belly. They're not up for a fight. Jorginho, for God's sake, rolling round yeah. after being tapped in the back of the head by an oh, elbow. For go- let's move on from Newcastle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, yeah, I've had no, Jorginho is an absolute softie, though. <laughs> I, I know, that's another podcast in itself. He is soft as Well, the anything. defeat for Arsenal at St. James's Park means that Newcastle United are sixth on 20 points, still four points behind the Gunners and the top four as Arsenal drop down to fourth. Liverpool got a draw with Luton, which means they're level on points with Arsenal in third. And Tottenham take on Chelsea Tonight, 26 points, but having played a game less than Man City, who destroyed Bournemouth and they moved to the top of the Premier League. We'll talk about Spurs-Chelsea shortly on Football Social Daily. But next, we're going to look at some of the other big talking points in the Premier League over the weekend. Because if refereeing decisions were controversial in the Arsenal game, there's a few more to pick up. And we'll do it next after this.
This is the award-winning Premier League podcast, Football Social Daily. My name's Niall. Thanks for joining us. If you like what you hear, why not subscribe or follow on your favourite podcast platform and you'll never miss a show. And also you can leave us reviews on Spotify or Apple Podcasts as well. We always like to hear what you have to say, not just on the reviews, but also in the Telegram group, which you can join by clicking the link in the description. Lots of chat away from the podcast on there and all of our links to the social media pages that we have are in the description as well. We spoke about referees, so did Mikel Arteta in his post-match press conference but we're going to move on from Arsenal now and talk about some of the other decisions over the course of the weekend. Once again Gary O'Neill absolutely fuming. The Wolverhampton Wanderers manager for the fourth time I think I can count this season on the wrong end of a pretty poor VAR decision slash referee decision and he's losing faith in the match officials. It's the second week in a row after Newcastle last week and now this week against Sheffield United that he's come out and said it simply was not a penalty. And yet no statement. <laughs> Funny that, isn't it? Um, if anyone's seen this penalty decision, when I saw it myself, I was literally in so much disbelief. It is one of those where it goes back to the old kind of way of giving penalties where if you have any kind of touch in the box as a penalty, if anyone sees it, Fabio Silva literally goes in, he pulls out, and the player who goes down goes down like a sack of potatoes. Yeah. I don't even know if he even touches him. I think there was well, min like the absolute minimal. It's like me giving you a little brush on the shoulder. Gary O'Neill said that he felt it was Fabio Silva who's the Wolves player. It was his shin pad, if that brushes the calf of the Sheffield it's United player. It's not enough play. to make you collapse. This is what I mean. Referees need to start taking a bit of context into it. And that's where I can understand the players who say they've never played the game before because if, you, if you're shepherding someone in the box and you give them a slight little graze on the leg, it is nowhere near enough to bring a 100kg person down. Maybe Who's 100 kilograms kit? in the no, Premier Harry League? Maguire's not going down <laughs> in the box. Fabian, Fabian, Lukaku Fabian. going Lukaku down. Lukaku in his Timberlands and jeans. <laughs> big sh- the big show's in the box. Wet jeans, yeah. <laughs> 80kg then, let's say. Um, it's not enough to bring down a football player and I can totally understand because the referee's been bought absolutely bought by that player and that Gary mm. O'Neill I could he's been on the end of such horrific decisions this season and that's why I can understand why when he watches things like this it's almost as if to say do they know what they're doing are the rules going into their heads or are the rules something that need addressing because honestly if anyone's mm. not seen it please go and see it because if you've played football I, if I, if that was me and I made that challenge I would be absolutely up in arms because it's just so unjust do you, not, do you think it? Do you think it was a penalty? Well, it's not just this game. I mean, you say whether I think it's a penalty or not. I don't think even if I did say yes, I did think it was, which I don't. But if I did say yes, it wouldn't matter because the point that Gary O'Neill's trying to make is that last week against Newcastle, they felt hard done by. That finished two two against Luton. There was a handball decision that finished one one. First game of the season against Manchester United, they lose one nil when Onana does concede a penalty that doesn't get given. And I think there's another one as well that I can't quite think of off the top of my head, but there's at least four this season inside 10 or 11 games that Wolves have had. And this is a side at the start of the season we all said are going to struggle to stay up this year. It's going to be a fight. They're going to be looking down rather than up. Well, Gary O'Neill's managed to find them some points, but it could be a lot more than what they've got had they got the rub of the green with the decisions and they're not getting that at the moment. And that's why he's so angry. I, I do feel a bit sorry for him. I think it's more of a penalty than than not. I think I'm in the minority, but How? I think I just think Fabio Silva's stupid. He should pull out sooner. 
But he's, um, not even, he's, he's literally not touched him. He was in yeah, tears after the yeah, game but, as well, Fabio Silva. Yeah, and also the sicko in me was laughing at him because I just think I just think it's funny. Um, especially because he's absolutely crap as well. He can't hit a cow's ass at one door, at one end of the pitch, and then he's going and making it worse oh, at the others. Poor lad. I know, but sod it, no, I'm sick. But um, O'Neill, the frustration. But, I mean, we're talking Baldock, about Arteta. Right, Baldock gets his leg there first. And I know it, I know there's not much there. It's not even this decision. It's this and Newcastle last week and the Man United game and the Luton thought, game and last season when he was Bournemouth manager and I they had a thought, row of stinkers and he said, I'm sick of Howard Webb sending me an email every Monday saying, I'm sorry. It, he's fed up with it and he can't come out and say the officials need to improve because he'll get a fine, which is stupid because everyone knows the officials need to improve. We've been talking about it for 10 weeks on Football Social Daily. I don't think there's been a Monday we've not discussed terrible refereeing decisions in some game or another. Yeah, but I know like, I, I get that it must frustrate the life out of him because he could have had an extra 12, 15 points over that course of the time at Bournemouth and Wolves. But I just think with, with the decision, I, I feel like they're very similar decisions. The Shah one last week and the Fabio Silva one, the both sort of decisions where I think the player could could just stay away. Like Baldock's going away from goal. He's not going anywhere. You don't need to jab your foot in and, and take that risk. Mm. And I think after last week where Huang doesn't see Shah coming, you know, last week, in, in the week you say, just be careful in the box. No, just, Mal, just come on. Can you be careful, no, With please? that one, though, if you're hitting a ball away and then someone comes in and swipes... Does he even get the ball he when takes, he hits it away? Shah takes the ball. But do you not have sympathy for Juan, though? Yeah. It's like... But it's still it, a penalty. Still, in my opinion, it's still a penalty. It's just when you take the context into it, I feel like context has got to be taken into it. If you're a football player, you're not, he has the ball. Like Juan has the ball. He has possession. No, he's he doesn't not, because Shah took it off him. No, no, I mean, he's about to hit it away, so the ball's almost like in his possession, right? So then when, obviously, um, who is it, Shah, that comes in for yeah, him? Yeah, yeah. When he kicks it away, he doesn't mean to go and slam the player. Yeah, but I just but he, so but he makes contact and the then he makes contact and then from that split second, Shah's got the ball. I think, and he, I know it's hard to put to stop. He's not even tackling. Yeah, but it's, such, it's, muddy, it's, 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 it's <laughs> such muddy water to say we didn't mean it, and therefore it I shouldn't know. be a foul. No, but I mean, and it, I, 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 mean, I don't like that because whether you mean it or not, it's a foul. He takes such a big swing, and then Shah goes. Oh, he's got to clear it though. He's got to clear. But you can't be looking around. You're a Man United fan. Do you remember a few years ago when? The ball was dropping out of midair. Was it against Real Madrid? And Nani puts his foot up to control it. <laughs> it's a red card, just, though, Joel. Not, it is. Not, How can it not this, be a red? I will go to the grave Joel, and say that's Joel, not his a red. foot goes into the fella's chest. That, no, it's it was, above waist no. height. First of all, it was in dangerous. His, it was Whether in he his meant it, and both of their eyes are locked on the ball. Doesn't matter. It's, it's dangerous. You both of the both of their feet were at the same level. One of them gets in the slightly quicker time than the other one. Okay, For so what me, about all these handballs that we see that are an accident? Should they not be given because the they're an accident? Handballs are just Why? A weird. Why? He's got his foot stuff. up high. He doesn't mean to stud the guy in the chest. Yeah, but they take this con- is a decision no, from fifteen years ago. Into account with their handballs now. If your hand, if your hands up here, sure. If you if you're facing away that's from the no, ball, that's nonsense. If I go up for a header with Marley, right, and I've got my eyes locked on the ball, and so is he, and I throw an elbow, an elbow him in the face, I'm looking at the ball. You yeah, can't tell me that that's an accident. You're not meant to have your elbow there anyway. You're, you're not meant, meant to, to have your foot middle. up high. You, you're allowed to. The ball's coming down. You're allowed to put your foot up, and that's where Nanny's foot was. No, I'm not having that. I'm just looking at the still of Nanny hoofing our below in the chest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's a red. Um, it's, I'll I'll I didn't sorry, mean Joel, it. It's, I, no, I've, I've honestly long never. agreed that I do think I will, it's a red it's card. Not a red it's card. harsh, but it's a it's red. Harsh. And this is the situation <laughs> because 
Some of the decisions we're seeing are harsh, but probably fair. And I think that's the frustration. It's become so microscopic and forensic it, refereeing it, now. Yeah. These it, decisions are going to happen. It all comes down to as well, if you're frustrated with it, the referees are following the rule of the interpretation mm. of the rule. The referees, loads and loads of the time, with the exception of that howler with Liverpool, they're interpreting the laws of the game. It's yeah, the yeah. laws that you should be should be frustrated with. It's not necessarily the referees because yeah. like like the like Willock keeping the ball in or not keeping the ball in, there is no proof that it goes out. Therefore, mm. they can't give it out. I saw, There's no proof that it stays in. So they have to go with the on-field decision. The decides, but the on-field, yeah. the on-field decision is, we'll, we'll see if VAR can prove that it's out. And VAR go, that's a little bit of a black hole. Like yeah. That's a little bit of a loophole. We haven't got a camera over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. We haven't got a landsman over there. It's like court, isn't it? We haven't got a drone. It, unless you've got beyond reasonable doubt or whatever the saying is, in, in a courtroom, you can't convict someone of anything until you've got enough evidence to suggest that that did actually happen. And Maybe then... we need a football jury. <laughs> no, that would be <laughs> yeah. corrupted Get far Gary too Neville, Carragher, far, oh, far God, it'll end up like the, uh, the overlap. <laughs> With all the oh, uh, all the influencers sitting oh, in a little... Maybe a bit nauseous, that. Ugh. Well, I did see someone on social media actually create a thread of all of the times Wolves have been wronged by VAR since they got promoted or since VAR got introduced. That guy, that guy needs a bottle of sugary drink and a flapjack to, uh, <laughs> to get some more well, one of them were, in his one of them day. Was the, <laughs> one of them was the second game of the first season that VAR was introduced. I can't remember who it was, but a Wolves player... It's about five years ago. It was, yeah, <laughs> 2019. Christ, headed the ball that. onto his arm. I can't remember because they've changed handball so many times whether that was the right decision in 2019, which isn't now. Exactly. Could and be, vice versa. Right it's just so impossible right to then, tell. Wrong the next season, right the next season, wrong the next season, right then this season. It's bizarre. Simon Hooper didn't referee a Premier League game for three weeks after failing to award a penalty against Onana in that Wolves loss at Old Trafford on the first day of the season. Josh Smith had to wait a month after his handball penalty award in Wolves 1, Luton 1. Anthony Taylor missed this weekend's top flight matches, wasn't given a game because of the debatable penalty last week on He Chan Huang from Fabian Scher. So this is three referees that have been punished by either being sent to the championship, not being given a Premier League game. You can't keep doing this if you're the PGMOL, can you? You can't just keep saying, oh, he's had a bad game, give him the championship. I, well, because I, if, I'm a, if I'm a championship football fan, I, I'm thinking, why am this, I getting your dregs? Yeah. You weren't good enough to referee a Premier League game. Why is our game any less significant than yours? This this is, I've long had this opinion of, we can mourn how we like in the UK and probably across the world of refereeing decisions, but the tiered system in football makes the crap referees Go to League Two, so the, trust me, I know about that. <laughs> I know. It's, it's insane. So either like the Premier League, so Hooper gets dropped from the Premier League, the Championship are like, well, we don't want him. <laughs> he's coming off. His confidence is low. He's fuming. He doesn't really want to be on Preston against frigging Rotherham. Yeah. But he's and he's the, perce- got there. the perception is that and then if Preston you Rotherham is game, an easier game to referee. But why? It's harder. You, and you, why is and it you've easier? got no VAR. No, he has not championship. Like the championship. No, no. It's like so the it's sentiment it's a, of a simple. He's got to referee. It doesn't make sense. It's a completely different game. So he's, he's having to go down and be like, did he pull him? Uh, uh, VAR. Oh, damn. Did he push him? Like, I should have been in this position. Should have been in, but, you but know, I should have been wider. Should have been closer like, to like it. Like we say, we can't replay games. We can't Mental. gift teams points because of the points they've lost because of bad decisions. So the only feasible punishment, if you want to use that word in inverted commas, is to send the referees away for a week, give them a different game or not give them a game at all. Because otherwise, fans of certain clubs, Wolves fans, just to 
pick them out as we're talking about them might just go, well, that's not fair. Mm. He was rubbish last week. Why has he been given another game this week? So it's almost like seen to be doing something in terms of a punishment for referees making mistakes, even though sending them to the championship has got its own problems entirely, as we've discussed. It's almost like, what can they do? There's no sort of framework for improvement. And I know that's harsh for me to say because they do look at clips behind the scenes and they practice. But the only way to practice getting better at refereeing is to referee games. You can be a full-time referee between Monday and Friday as a football player, you train, you can play practice games. You can only practice refereeing games in the games. Do you see what I'm trying to say? It, yeah. It feels like learning to me, on the job. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You, have, you have to. Yeah. And even if you could do it during the week in, you know, like leisure, leisure leagues and stuff like that. Number one, the standard isn't there. Number two, the game's completely different. Yeah. Um, and number three, you know, you don't get, um, you know, you don't get paid for it or anything like that. So you're kind of going out your own way to try and, you know, get better i think the best example would be if you did a first aid course and you've got one of those rubber dummies you have to practice doing cpr or whatever compare that situation to a real life situation the two scenarios even though you've practiced for it they could not be more different you can sit there and watch as many clips as you want under no pressure on a screen and go yeah that's offside yeah that's a foul yeah but until you actually get on the pitch and do it i just don't think there's any other way to practice i just think it's it's a, a proper bad situation we've got ourselves into. And I think that's one of the things Gary O'Neill was hinting at in his post-match press conference. Before we move on and talk about Chelsea against Spurs, because I'm conscious there is a big game in the Premier League tonight and we will talk about it on FSD today. Another decision, which was not one in terms of was it a foul or not, was Harry Maguire in the first minute of Manchester United against Fulham at Craven Cottage, Joel, got a shoulder to the face and he looked away with the fairies. He looked dazed. And they took some time to check him over. But there were a couple of times during the match, Joel, where he actually stopped. And of course, we've got a lot more information now about concussions and head injuries and how dangerous they can be for athletes. Do you think Harry Maguire should have stayed on the pitch? Because at times, he looked completely boggled. Especially after the second one, because he got a second clip to the head, I think, in early in the second half. And that sent him even more groggier and he looked a little bit less with it after that kind of challenge. And I feel like with this law around concussion, and like you said, there's been extensive research into it now, it's probably one of the less grey areas of football, I would say, in terms of the rules, where I think referees and club doctors on both sides recognise just how important it is. And club doctors, I think, are given a little bit more power in terms of to say, if this player is completely concussed or if he feels like he can't continue, they should have the power to say yes or no. But with the fact that the game's going the way it is and how much pressure there is, can you imagine if United never had a, had a, a fit centre-back on the bench to bring on instead of him? Ten Hag would have been thinking, come on, you could play the extra 20 minutes. I mean, I don't think he is concussed. But it was a, it was one where, you know, you probably look back at that and think, should have, things have been done differently? Because I know the referee had a word with him and the club doctor because he went down a couple of times. I think he was probably saying to the doctor, you know, you can't keep going down with the head injury. Make mm. a decision. Mm. Is he going off or is he not? Because I can't keep stopping the game because he's going down with his head. Um, but yeah, I think they'll probably do a review of that as well to see what they can do better because I feel like he probably overstayed his course during that game. And you know what football players are like, regardless of 
if they feel concussed, they want to stay on and they want to continue and they'll fight every... It's almost like when a boxer's about to go out and he's getting his nose kicked in and the trainer throws in the towel and he's like, what? What are you throwing in the towel for? And his eyes like down where his chin is and he's absolutely puffed up. They don't want to give up, do they? They want to carry on. They're, they're professionals yeah. and they're athletes. Yeah, the decision ultimately gets taken out of the hands, which, yeah, which, which is what should have They don't want to look like they're weak on the pitch, but when you look at your health, especially when it comes to concussions, as you know as well, what you've just said, they're very dangerous if you continue playing on. But um, I feel like that's an area of football that should be completely eradicated anyway because the club doctors need to be given more power to say he mm. needs to come off or he mm. doesn't need to it shouldn't, come off. It shouldn't even be club doctors. We've said it a million times. It should be an independent doctor. I think both of them. Just like together, so no bias a local on. bloody GP could do it. Shine, so, so, shine so, a light like in his boxing. eyes, right? His eyes have gone. It's almost like off. a boxing where they have the independent mm. yeah, doctor who comes on and says, yeah, he's out. You can't have a guy with a Man United badge on on his thing saying oh yeah he's alright because Varane's not Varane's not quite fit on the bench screaming at the doctor like you're not taking him off well that's what Mourinho fell out with fell out with her years ago very famously and and some people suggest that that was the start of him losing his job at Chelsea the second time yeah didn't she end up with uh, quite a substantial court case uh, money from taking him to court and stuff for unfair dismissal and rightly bloody so as well (laughs) well we're actually going to talk about Chelsea next because they take on Tottenham tonight in the Premier League. It's the return of the ex-gaffer, Maurizio Pochettino, back in North London. We'll talk about it after this. Final part of today's FSD. Welcome back to the show. And Chelsea against Spurs is the final game of the Premier League weekend. It's Monday night football at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and Maurizio Pochettino is back in North London. Joel, it's not really been working for him at Chelsea in terms of results, but heading to tonight's game against Spurs, he's had some interesting things to say. Ange Postacoglu, of course, has got the Tottenham fans right on side, more so than any of the previous managers. Unbeaten in the league this season, they can go back top if they beat Chelsea. But Maurizio Pochettino has been asked some questions about his relationship with the Chelsea fans and with the Spurs fans. And this is one of the quotes, and I thought this was interesting. After four months, I can't lie, it's not the same feeling from the fans at Chelsea. I hope we can arrive on the same level that I had with the fans at Tottenham, because then it would mean that we're doing really well here. Of course, I expect one day to be the same level, but I cannot lie at the moment, no. So it's a tough situation. I think he's insulating himself there from grief I think he knows that the Tottenham fans might not give him the most warm reception he is a Chelsea manager these days after all what do you make of some of those comments I think he's challenging the Chelsea fans a little bit as if to say the Tottenham fans gave me more love when I first came where's your love like where, where's my feeling I don't think he feels it from them yet and you know what rightly so because they've been absolutely poor until he's actually started he needs to earn their respect and likewise as well um, he did also mention as well, hopefully I can stay here until I die. So he's pretty much completely burning any kind of romance that he had with the Spurs fans, but also giving them a kind of underhanded compliment as if to say, they did welcome me very rosingly when I first went to Spurs. But that's the difference between Spurs and Chelsea. Chelsea are serial winners. They want success quickly. At Tottenham, he was always going to be given the time and he's always going to be given the cautiousness and the support, whereas it's two different kinds of clubs, two different kinds of strategies and where they want to go. And I think, like we discussed a few days ago about what kind of reaction we think Pochettino will get and if Spurs fans even care, I genuinely don't think they care anymore because right now they'll be looking at the two managers and thinking, we've got the better end of the deal. Mm. We finally got someone who understands the club and can take us and our hearts 
towards this club again, rather than uh, rather than Conte and Marino, who almost kind of batted, batted well, everyone away. Let me just say this, and I said I wouldn't talk about it today, but yesterday when Portsmouth lost, oh, bloody oh. hell! The manager was Paul Cook, who got us promotion from League Two. A well liked manager because of what he delivered for the club, but also the way he left the club left a bit of a sour taste in the mouth for some supporters. He's now dropped down into the conference and is managing Chesterfield, a manager of that calibre. He must calibre. be getting paid a wedge to yeah, be Chesterfield. Well, he's a, a much higher quality manager than being in the National League would lead you to suggest. Despite all of the good times that we had under him and the fact that I knew him a little bit, I was desperate to beat them yesterday. More than I should have done for a League One side playing a National League team in the FA Cup first round. But I know how Spurs fans would be feeling tonight. They'll respect Pochettino like I respect Paul Cook. But that made me want to win yesterday even more than I normally would have done against any other team and any other manager. Add into that the ingredient of a London derby and then you've, you're have you going to get some Spurs fans who will let that emotion simmer within them and it will start to go off. Because football goes on. You can't dwell on another manager that is not won you anything. Don't get me wrong, they'll never forget that Champions League running in 2019 and how historic it felt. I mean, I remember watching it and all the Spurs fans were probably the highest they've ever been since. Well, since. And it's just... It's just <laughs> since ever. <laughs> literally. I don't even even think the 2008 League Cup triumph <laughs> can't, uh, can't get that literally. high. Yeah. Um, but like I say, the, the reason why Spurs fans won't give a toss going into this is because Ange has literally give that love affair that Pochettino gave them. Because the way in which Pochettino was with the Spurs fans, it was like they were together and they were as one. When they went to uh, when they went to Conte and Mourinho, it felt like them and us, and I don't think they felt a connection with the club again. Now when Pochettino comes, not only does he come back as an old manager, but he comes back as a Chelsea manager. If that, for me, that would be like an old manager going to Arsenal maybe, and then I have to try and have an affinity towards him. It's over. You go with your manager that you have now and then that's that. It's almost like Mourinho going to Arsenal maybe or let's say a, a manager that's had a good relate. Oli, let's say Oli goes to uh, Arsenal to manage them. Don't get me wrong, former player is a little bit different with Pochettino, but that disconnect happens then. He's a, he's, a, he's a rival now. He's not one of us. And now that they've got Ange, I, honestly, it's almost like finding a better girlfriend than your ex. And suddenly you look back and think, I was with you. Really? <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if Spurs don't win tonight, Marley, let's say they lose. They would have lost one in 11 games. At the start of the season, Tottenham fans would have said, you mean Ange Postacoglu is going to take us on an unbeaten run for 10 games and we will only have lost one of those in 11 matches. I think they would have been really happy with that. But if you look at the Premier League table now, Manchester City have returned to the top. They're a point ahead of Spurs. So even if Spurs draw with Chelsea tonight, City will stay top on goal difference. But how much pressure is there on Tottenham because they're the last team playing this weekend and everyone else has had their games. Manchester City have gone above them. And even if they stay undefeated, they might not return to the top of the Premier League. Yeah, um, it's one of them <clears throat> strange situations, but I think we have to look at it in, in the other way. Like if they win, there's five points between them uh, and Liverpool and Arsenal, like Liverpool in third, Arsenal in fourth, if Spurs win, or even if they draw, you know, there's still three points or five points between them. That's that's a nice mm. little gap at this point. of the Well, I saw a stat actually that said, basically no team has ever taken that many points from 10 games and not finished in the top four at the end of the season. Yeah. yeah. So I they've had a great well, yeah. start. Yeah, it's a great, that's a great start. That's, that's Spurs' 
remit for the season. You know, finish, finish in the top four. They didn't go into this season thinking we'll challenge for the title. Like they think they've they're going into this season with new manager and no Harry Kane. They're probably thinking we'll pick, we'll take top eight. We'll take that little pot league, that conference league, and we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll win that next year. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's one of them where they they're just happy to see where they're going. I think I think you know on form and on logic they should they should wipe the floor with Chelsea um, tonight really. But will they? I'm not sure because. Chelsea, I think at some point Chelsea will click. Mm. But they, they, if it's tonight, they were supposed they could to beat click. Spurs, but I, they, they I don't think they will. Supposed to click first eighty minutes against Arsenal, threw it away, two two. They then yeah. lost two 0 to Brentford. They might click when Nkunku gets back, but yeah. until then, can you see it being tonight? I guess. I mean, mm. I've got a funny feeling I'm not sure. about tonight. I feel like Pochettino is going, even though he's got this love affair giving off in his conference. He will want to beat Spurs so so badly, especially because Ange has now took his spotlight. He was the one for the last seven years. He's gonna go back and be like, "They've already replaced me. Like they've forgotten about me now." He's well, no, gonna. He wanna... spoke about the fans in glowing terms, as I mentioned earlier. He did, but, but Spurs fans look at Ange in glowing terms now. Pochettino's a thing of the past. He'll go back to Spurs thinking, "I need to show these guys what they're missing," and give an absolute huge performance from Chelsea. He's not going there thinking, oh, I want to get the Spurs fans back on side again. He's going to be going there wanting to get absolute battle of the bridge blood. Like, trust me, <laughs> this guy's a professional and he's Argentinian. He ain't going there to shake hands and be all rosy. He's cut from a different kind of cloth. Yeah, but he's the he's most mild-mannered like Argentinian compared to like right. Simeone who right. absolutely like, slide-tackle his own grandma <laughs> for the last you... loaf of bread in the supermarket. Like... <laughs> Have I told you guys about that story of my friend who lives in Tarragona in Spain and he doesn't really follow football that much and at the end of his flat block is a, a this pub, must be about Simeone surely a pub called the schoolhouse yeah and he went in there and he said he got talking to this football coach over the summer and uh, every Saturday he'd go down there and they'd have sort of some food and a few drinks and stuff and he got chatting and he said this guy had just taken a, a job to coach a football club in London but he's just just taken a job to go back there <laughs> My friend didn't realise he'd been speaking to Maurizio Pochettino all summer <laughs> and, had, and had, had told him, right, that he yeah. was going to Chelsea. And he was like, oh, he said he's just got a job at Chelsea, but I don't, don't really know what it is. His name's Maurizio. I was like, you're talking about Maurizio Pochettino, aren't you? He was like, oh, is it? I don't really know. He's not a huge <laughs> football fan, but it turns out Maurizio Pochettino's son, who's also called Maurizio, by the way, is a football player for Tarragona and the stadium is at the end of the street next to the pub. So he's just bumping into Pochettino and chatting to him about Chelsea. Must have been really refreshing for Poch though. And no one yeah, knew just who he was to in someone, Spain. An English nice person yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's um, probably thinking, thinking there, thinking, I managed Espanyol and then I managed, you know, Spurs to a Champions League final. I've been in England and PSG and I've been everywhere. <laughs> and this, and this ball bag doesn't know who I am. southern accent doesn't know who I am. He's probably thankful for it, to be fair. Yeah. But um, I just thought it was funny. He had no idea that he was speaking to Pochettino for the cool. last few months of the summer. That's probably why he was revealing all the rumours. He's like, this guy's not going to spill anything, <laughs> is he? Yeah. All right, well, you've got a feeling about Chelsea, Joel. I think Spurs will win. Yeah, I was going to say, who do you think will win? You think Spurs? Spurs will win, yeah. Okay, go on then. I'll go against the contrary. I just think Poch is going to give a little knee slide on the corner like that in front of all the Spurs fans. <laughs> all right, I'll, no, I'll go joking. draw then. At least then none of us can be wrong tomorrow on the podcast. Postponed. <laughs> He'll get cold off. <laughs> yeah, rained off. It will be Battle of the Floodlights break or something like that. All right, that's it for Football Social Daily for today. Thanks for listening to the podcast as ever. We always appreciate your support and thanks for all your messages in the Telegram group supporting us as well. You can join that Telegram group by clicking the link in the description. You can follow us on all the social media pages as well. They're all 
all in there for you to have a look at. And don't forget to hit subscribe or follow on whichever podcast platform you use to listen to this show. And that way, when a new episode is released, which is hopefully every weekday during the Premier League season, then you will not miss it. You'll be notified when that episode is released. But from Joel Marley and myself, that is it for today's Football Social Daily. We'll catch you tomorrow. Speak to you then. Football Social Daily is a voice work sport production for the Sports Social Podcast Network.